Good morning, Vietnam. Good morning. Good morning. You know, I just realized uh, saying good morning, Vietnam is a little apropos considering the nature of this movie. True. Morning. How you doing, Nate? I am great. Do I sound a little uh, deeper today? You sound more manly than ever. That's right. Well, it's my mafia-like countenance. It's finally coming out. And a head cold? Yeah, a little, a little congested. <laughs> but here's, here's my theory. So exactly one week from this moment, I will have landed in Tel Aviv, Israel. Mm. I, this is going to sound strange, but I like to get sick about a week out before a trip. Because <laughs> I feel like I have adequate time to recover, and then it greatly lessens the chance of being sick on the trip so you went about licking doorknobs no no no, until (laughs) you became sick i went to a red roof inn (laughs) and just rolled around on the sheets but let's get to the movie we watched this week which was the post 2017 movie starring tom hanks and meryl streep what can what can you say about this movie you got tom hanks you got meryl streep they're in a movie about based on a true story about the Washington Post <laughs> during the Richard Nixon administration, breaking some confidential Vietnam War documents and uh, making the Washington Post a, a national piece of journalism and not just a local town uh, newspaper. Right. And it's that whole story unfolding. It's a, great, it's a great movie. I'll mention just a couple things I loved, a couple scenes. A, Tom Hanks. B, Meryl Streep. <laughs> Those are the scenes. Full stop. Those people. <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, it's it's hard to even. This is why I'm saying I think the top five will reveal more about this. But like Tom Hanks, you know, I I love pretty much pretty much everything he's in. And there's like scenes in this movie when he's like talking abruptly and short to like his fellow newspaper people, mm-hmm. and he's like rolling up his sleeves vigorously. And uh, I just love I love everything about that. Any movie where you have like the the newsroom floor. There's a bunch of people typing, and there's like papers flying, and oh, people man. yelling, and yep. talking about deadlines. Like I, I love everything about that kind of stuff. A real work environment, a correct work environment. Uh, how did That's you feel right. about Tom Hanks' wig in this movie? See, you always bring this stuff up. How did you feel about his accent in this movie? Hey, 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 hey. for the last six years we've been playing catch-up, and now thanks to the President of the United States, we have the goods. We don't have any competition. There's dozens of stories in here. The Times has barely scratched the surface. So his accent, I feel like he pulled a little bit from his catch-me-if-you-can accent. I don't know, like, you're our accent expert. I mean, I don't, again, I have no problem. I have no problem with the accent. The wig, you now have me concerned because I, I did not know he was wearing a wig. Well, okay, now I, I think it was a wig. Now I am I'm a little bit. You think, you think that was a tube, huh? I believe you think that was a so. I believe so. Uh, yeah, okay, I can see there's it. Something, there's something going on there. That's true. That, it might yeah, just that it, be a, an interesting haircut and a little bit of a dye job. Well, I had no problem with it. I thought it looked great. I think he plays the role of a newspaper editor mm-hmm. really well. So there's the scene where they get something via fax, like one of the newsroom lackeys gets a fax and he realizes it's, a, it's real important. Or the, he gets a package delivered. Right. And uh, he goes to Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks just like brushes him off. And he goes to the other exec 
And then that exec brings it to Tom Hanks. Tom's like, oh man, like they start talking about it. And that guy, the guy's just like standing there. And he's like, I found it. Hey, 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 that that was me. They just completely ignore him and he gets no credit for it whatsoever. He does, he, Steven Spielberg, who directed this movie, does such a great job of bringing these little moments in that it's not, it's not a gag. It's not like anything like crazy, but just like, just the, the simpleness of this low level guy who's not really allowed to interact with the editor with Tom Hanks. Right. So he kind of goes through another guy and he's there like trying to like be useful and be important in the moment and completely ignored. Another thing that I love in this movie is that people just pass around papers and people walk through halls and carry things. And he films it with such suspense and gravitas that like he makes someone walking down or or walking quickly or jogging down a hallway with a a manila envelope, you know, completely uh, suspenseful and interesting people passing off memos and notes. I also give some credit to John Williams who also did the score for this movie. So yes, when you work with the best, that's what you get to that effect. There's, you know, we go between the Washington post where Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep were working in the New York times, you know, the largest competitor. And there's the scene like the intern, like runs up to a door, knocks on it and like hands a single piece of paper in. And you know, the the guy only opens the door a crack, you know, like gets the paper and he's like, get out of here. (laughs) Shuts the door. And uh, yeah, I love the little scenes like that. And even towards the end where they have, like they're about to go to print and release all this classified document information and just the scenes of the guys in the warehouse, you know, laying the metal letters in the printing press and all that. Wasn't that so like, I could just watch them put together a newspaper. That could have been a 15 minute scene. I was like, (laughs) Look at the little metal thing. Look at the, you know, putting together the the print and like yeah. seeing all of the newspapers roll on a giant ream through yes, the I love all that. factory. I was like, how oh, it's made episode. It's been rattling. Run it. Yes, sir. Start it up. <clears throat> There's also, I love the scene when they have all the papers spewing about you know, Meryl Streep's house and they're trying to piece together these Vietnam documents and then also write a story in like a span of eight hours, you know, <laughs> encompassing good portion of these. And they, they write the story and then they, they hand it to, I guess like the proofreader and <laughs> he crosses out the first line. <laughs> he crosses out the first line. Then the, like the guy tells the proofreader, you got 30 minutes and then we have to go to print. And I'm like, my goodness, like the pressure to have to proofread that. Oh, man. Like you're about to release a major, major story. And the guys down in the factory literally are placing letter by letter these like metal squares to actually print it. Like I can't, I would I couldn't live myself with a typo. Like <laughs> it's just so like permanent and in print. But like and there's something to that. And again, this is I love technology and everything, but this is like the struggle. Like mm-hmm. there's something to that that printed newspaper that has a sense of permanence and like journalistic mm. integrity that when something's digital and can just be like edited on the fly because it lives on the internet i don't know there's just so, there's something that gravitas like you're saying to a newspaper right i i don't know if this movie made you feel this way but i had two two overarching thoughts when it came to the newspaper industry one even today it made me want to be a newspaper man like it made me want yeah. to have yeah. a newspaper every morning the new york times 
Um, yes. And just sit. Every time you try to actually read a physical newspaper, it's the most frustrating experience. <laughs> it's just like falling apart and the pages are sliding around. Yeah, but there's, yeah, but there's yeah. just something about the experience. Like you have a cup of coffee, a little orange yeah. juice. I mean, but here's what happens. If I get a real newspaper, I go right to yeah. the crossword in the... I don't know, the yeah. <laughs> crossword on in the, the back. back yeah the funnies the yeah, funny I'm pages right to skylock fox in the back or whatever <laughs> the um. far side i also like just the terms that relate to a newspaper like above the fold you know when a when a story is above the fold meaning ah. as the newspaper is laying on the rack it's the story that people will see as they right. walk by the physical newsstand and like i love that that phrase it almost still carries into today because people talk about like on web design is it above the fold? Like, are they going to see it on the website before, before they have to down. scroll? Yeah. Right. And like, I just love that kind of old world idea and phrase and how that still carries today and has importance. Right. Like, I love that. I also, not only the, just the idea of having a newspaper in front of me and how cool I, f- I felt like the ideal of that is, but the idea that these newspapers were breaking news, like they Right, exactly. I felt like they really had a responsibility to the people to like people need to know this, and right. it felt like I'm gonna soapbox here for a second, but it felt like please you know compared to today's clickbait world and yeah. highly, highly, highly like opinionated and jaded or biased right. towards a side, it felt uh you know, and I don't know what it was actually like. I don't know how how biased these reports were. Not in this movie, but just back in the back in the right. day. But it felt like a journalistic ideal was kept. Like we were getting the story. We got great sources. They had to have a source, and it's like this is for the people, so that they know. Nowadays, like you get all your news quickly through Twitter or whatever, and everything that comes out right. is now either a top ten list of how to use your avocados before they spoil, or <laughs> someone's. <laughs> someone's like very very opinionated response to the breaking news not giving you the breaking news right and i think like to your point it it almost feels like there was a sense of responsibility in journalism and also you know there was there was an one newspaper a day you know so yes there was a deadline and like a time crunch but it was like a day like you had a 24 hour like the 24 hour news cycle is literally because there was one newspaper a day right whereas in, in today's world like the news is literally 24 7 i can't even imagine the pressure of you know if a story breaks to get something on the new york times website in a matter of minutes because you have to you know be on par with like twitter you know because you can go on twitter and see someone posting a picture right. of this event that's happening immediately you know, and how can you possibly have a decent journalistic stance and story put together that tries to be objective and just do it in such a small amount of time? It's, right. And making sure you have all your sources and making like the, yeah, you have to kind of right. skip that in order to yeah, just get it we out. Gotta, we got to beat, beat other people to it. And then also just Disney princess. Are you most like, or whatever, you know, like those, right. <laughs> you know, right. it's like Ariel. At, right. At one point I did write for an Apple news website. And I did, uh, you know, short videos and blog posts, whatever. And I covered the Apple Watch launch keynote. And the responsibility I had to get the review out once I actually got one in hand, just to tweet the information going out, I had always thought I wanted to be a journalist. And when I just got a small taste about what it meant to try and be accurate and super fast 
and do good work all at the same time. It's like that is not something <laughs> I could sustain. Like that yeah. is just crazy town. Crazy town. A lot of respect for those who do it. Even today. Even you know Yeah, absolutely. Even though I sometimes say like, Oh yeah, it seems kind of rushed or super biased. You just the idea, the, the kind of pressure you have to be on, you know, all the time. And so I feel like we do need to talk about like Meryl Streep who does amazing in this movie, but you know, there's a big theme in the movie where she is the owner of the Washington post because her husband who was the owner died and left it to her. Is that accurate? Right. I feel like that's that's, correct. Yeah. 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 And her father, it's her dad passed the paper down, not to her, but to her husband. So the the newspaper has always been in her family, but when she was married, right. The, the husband was the heir. There's a, a common theme where, you know, she's, a woman and owner of a newspaper and like there's this uh, scene early in the movie where she's in the boardroom and it's literally all a bunch of old white dudes and Mm -hmm. her and you know they're all talking basically talking as though she's not even in the room not addressing her and like the one time she had an opportunity to say something and had the right thing to say like it was written down on her legal pad right like she just couldn't get it out and like that again like steven spielberg and meryl streep portraying that feeling of nervousness or like do i even have a place here feeling right uh, was it was powerful it was powerful i'm actually not a huge meryl streep fan in just the movies she's been in maybe just the type of movies she's typically in don't typically sing to me yeah her performance in this movie was so good and her maybe and the the way the script kind of work together. I, I love what Steven Spielberg does where people are talking to each other and just like the real world, they're not always responding to each other's phrases back and forth. Like most right. scripts are like, you say something, I say something, you say something, I say something, and we're perfectly going back and forth. But in the real world, I got things I want to say, you have things you want to say, and we're both right. kind of like pushing words past each other and i think <laughs> yeah yeah he does this so well like in a meryl streep tom hanks dinner where they're both trying to get things out and they're right. both they have their own agendas and it's it's perfectly done and the way that meryl streep like you said deals with the the guys on her board uh that are yeah. kind of undermining her and people that are giving her advice and she doesn't quite feel it, it's hers but at the same time, you know, like pe- people don't respect her because a she's a woman, and b because she got it through the death of her husband. But I thought that was really, po- yeah, I thought the whole thing was really powerful. I'm here asking your advice, Bob, not your permission. And the transformation towards the end of the movie, where she does say, like, whether or not we run the story about Vietnam is my call, and I am making the call now, despite what you say, dude. Right. Um, you know, it's an awesome. It's an awesome turn. Right. I thought it was an empowering performance, I guess. Uh, but yeah. And also just to think of like, this is not too long ago. Was it 1971 uh, events of this? And the idea of right. a woman uh, leading a company was just kind of like, that's not long yeah. ago. And the idea of, wow. Right. Um, you know, we're probably still dealing with the residual uh, impact of that today. Well, Nate, from zero to five newspapers. How do you rate the post? Or did you go first last time? Uh, I think I, I did. Yeah, you go, you go first now. All right. Well, I will, I will rate it 4.5 newspapers. It's a great movie. Um, you know, I do feel like there were some stretches that were a little slow, kind of nature of this kind of movie. But amazing performances, engaging, engrossing movie. You know, I love newspaper stuff, you know, journalism type movies. 
And so I give a 4.5 out of 5 newspapers. All right. You. I give the post 3.5 oh newspapers. I I felt while I was watching it, I loved the performances, loved the script. I felt like I didn't quite have all the information I needed beforehand in order to truly appreciate it. It was one of those movies where I felt Mm. like I should have done research before watching it because my (laughs) knowledge of the Washington Post, of the Vietnam War in general, of Watergate, Bob McNamara, all these events... I felt like I spent a lot of time confused and lost and feeling like, um, I wish I had some more historical knowledge of this, which is my own, my own fault, but I felt like it wasn't quite landing on all the beats because I spent a lot of time a little bit confused. And it was a, a bit on the slow side for me as a, I feel like a bit of a, on the edge of being a millennial myself. Um <laughs> I, yeah, I had some. I had some moments. I'm pretty sure you are a millennial. I am right on the top. I'm on the top. You're trying to say you're you're above all the other millennials. Uh, you're yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're you're better yes. than all exactly. The so today's top five. You correct me if I'm wrong, but it is a top five Steven Spielberg movies. That is correct. Um, I hope you also went the same way I did. I only did. Steven Spielberg movies that he directed, not produced. Oh gosh! You went to executive producer. He's not doing no, anything. No. He's just. <laughs> I know. No, I know. No, no, no. I am pretty sure. Oh goodness. Well, you I'm pretty sure that. I know what I'm talking about here. Uh, you didn't. You didn't go into the director section. You did his whole filmography, didn't you, Steve? Right, hold Steve. on. Let, let me. Let me make sure. Let me make sure. So director. Like he was a producer on Men in Black Three, I, but he's. Well, yeah, and I didn't. No, 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 no. Okay, no, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. I'm looking through here. I'm looking through. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm correct in that all my top five were movies that he has directed. Oh, well, look at this. What's he was it? a producer on American Tale, executive producer. Remember that movie, An American Tale with Feifel? Oh, uh, maybe. Mouse? Maybe. Comes to America? Cartoon? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not the movie Coming to America, but. Yeah, anyway. No. Um, no, slightly different. Do you have any honorable mentions here? I do. I do indeed. I have four. What? <laughs> just so you know. And you're going to add more to it along the way. I just know it. Probably. Probably. All right. Honorable mentions for me. Minority Report. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great movie. I have nothing more to say about it. I also have three movies that I have not seen in their entirety and one that I have not seen at all. So... Okay. They, I know that they're good because I've heard they are good, uh, but I put them in right. my honorable mention somewhat list or caveats. I haven't seen Lincoln. Okay. Uh, never seen it. I have never seen Schindler's List, uh, which mm, I know is yeah, uh, okay. top notch, and I have seen yeah. half of Jaws. Oh, okay. All right, your turn. The 2001 movie Artificial Intelligence with Haley Joe Osment. It was, I mean, it's a very, very long movie. You know, sci-fi, but I enjoyed it uh, when I saw it. Um, so I Can I tell you something that I've learned about you? Can I interrupt here for just a second? Oh, boy. All right, please. Here's what I've learned in doing this, this podcast with you. I believe that movies released between the year of 1997 and 2001 hit you potentially at the perfect time in your life. And I believe 
you are the most generous with these movies. So <laughs> I think I will call it the Stephen Robles window of grace. The window of opportunity? A right. uh, window of grace. Yeah, the window okay. of opportunity. The window of grace, 1997 to 2001. So in the future, if uh, depending where it is, I think I found your uh, your soft spot. Well... And also into the world movies because another honorable mention is the 2005 movie War of the Worlds starring Tom Hanks. You know what? War of the Worlds, for me, I was thinking about putting it on the honorable mention. That's a surprisingly fun movie. The 1986 movie The Money Pit starring Tom Hanks and um, I forgot who else was in it. But I remember seeing that as a kid and thought it was hilarious. Never seen it. Oh, really? It's it's funny. I also don't see it in the list of movies he directed, so... It's probably not. It's probably one he <laughs> produced. Uh, and lastly, and this is probably the legit honorable mention for my list, is Terminal, the 2004 movie with also Tom Hanks, uh, which is a fun movie. Really good. I enjoyed it. We can talk about that accent all day. <laughs> yes. All right, your number, your number five. My number five is the movie... Catch Me If You Can, 2002, Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks. I thought that that movie is just fun all the way through. I think I saw it recently in the last couple years, and I think it still holds up. Yeah, I agree. Well, my number five, Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World. Okay. One of my favorite Jurassic Park movies. Ooh. I love Jeff Goldblum, and I have seen that movie many times because I just I really enjoyed it. So, The Lost World uh, is my number five. Okay, my number four, Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first Indiana Jones movie. Mm-hmm. Wait, I thought the Temple of Doom was the first one. No, well, chronologically, yes. Oh, I see. I see. By I see. release, this was the <laughs> first good. Indiana Jones movie ever made. Okay. You tried to get me, but you can't out Indiana Jones me. (laughs) (laughs) The introduction of Indiana Jones, Indian like I saw Star Wars first in my life. Like I saw that when I was younger. And I loved Harrison Ford as Han Solo. And then I heard through some sort of news or director cut from Star Wars that he enjoyed in playing Indiana Jones better than Han Solo. Mm. I had never seen Indiana Jones, but I took that as a personal insult to me. (laughs) Like, I was like, this can't be. And then I saw Indiana Jones, you know, probably an impressionable age of maybe, you know, maybe I saw that first one when I was 10. Like, at an age where you still had to hide your face when the guy's faces melted off at the end. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, Somewhere around then. But then I understood, and I went, oh, okay. You were right, yeah. Harrison Ford. Indiana Jones is an amazing character. Yeah. I wanted to buy a fedora in my life just because of this movie. <laughs> and a whip. You know, I, I might have made an error by not... In, I have not included any Indiana Jones movies in my top five. I've enjoyed them. Like the final scene in The Last Crusade, you know, they go across the invisible bridge and drink from the goblet. You know, I love you all that chose stuff. But. wisely. For some reason, they don't the hit penitent me. The penitent man. The penitent man. Sorry. Yeah, they, they just Go don't on. hit me as, as in jokes. No, 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 it's fine. I'm just saying, I didn't include any of those. I'm just going to be real. But, right. I, you know, I've seen all that's of them. Fine. I really enjoyed them, but they just don't stand out for me. I don't know why. 
Okay. Okay. So my number, f- my number four, I put Minority Report for number four. Mm. It ticks a lot of boxes for me. A lot, you know, you got sci-fi, you got Tom Hanks, you got action, you got the whole psychological type thriller, like seeing the future. Can you change the future if you know what it is? All that kind of stuff. And there's like, you know, the scene with Tom Hanks wearing the gloves and like manipulating information on that virtual board. Like, I feel like even today, <laughs> we're still like feeling the effects of that scene because it's still kind of memed and imagined. And oh, try yeah. to- like whenever there's a, a screen in front of you, like a bunch of screens, the, the, the inclination, yeah. at least for me, is to still put out my hands and pretend like I am Tom Hanks. <laughs> Not yeah. Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> right. That would have been a very different movie if Tom Hanks can was that you, character. Can you change the future in Minority Report? Did we end up learning that if you knew it, you could alter it? Well, I think the premise is that you can because they kept seeing murders and they were able to stop the murders. But in regards to Tom Hanks's, <laughs> Or, ow, oh, now you're messing me up. Tom Cruise's future... <laughs> The guy ended up falling out the window anyway. Well, so. I think they also decided that like preemptively arresting them was not fair because they potentially still had the chance to not commit the crime. <clears throat> right, and that was the whole controversy. So, I don't know. We don't got time to get into that. <laughs> Maybe okay. we should do so, Minority Report of the movie. But there's also just one the scene where he's in the bathtub and he just got like his eyes transplanted and those spiders are looking for him. Ooh. That's a great, great scene. They and also just the scene under his bandage. <laughs> yes. And that guy who like does the transplant and he's like, well, I could sew a dead cat in there. I'm putting enough antibiotics into you. And I, the whole thing is just great. So anyway, minority report number four. All right. You're number three. My number three is still close encounters of the third kind. Oh, put it in again. It was the top of my aliens list. It, it is not yep. the top Steven Spielberg movie at all, but Still in there. If you want to hear what I think about this movie, please watch Valerian, our Valerian podcast. <laughs> or skip That's to the right. end of Valerian and listen to our lists. Yes, refer back. All right. Well, my number three is Schindler's List. I've seen it a couple times. It is a powerful movie, extremely gut-wrenching and horrendous, but also amazingly done. And the the music, there's the main theme of the violin performed by Itzhak Perlman, which is one of the most, I just wanted to say that name like that. I know. But uh, it's one of the most beautiful movie themes ever, and performed by him is just incredible. So, How does it go? How does the theme go? Uh, now, you're going to call me out on this. I mean, I can't, <laughs> I can't Can sing you make it. A, you know, just make a violin sound with your mouth. Something like that. And and Schindler's List is all black and white, correct? Yes, it is, which makes you think it's a much older movie, like that it was made a long time ago, but it's actually 1993. Made the same year as the first Jurassic Park, which is... Wow. Those are two huge projects. Blockbuster (laughs) year, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. All right. Your number two. My number two movie is the original Jurassic Park. (laughs) Thank you. Released in 1993, I watched it too early in life, and it scared... (laughs) Traumatized you. (laughs) Scared the bum off of me. (laughs) 
<laughs> but but it's an excellent movie. But now, as an adult, like the effects are still better than things that were released in 2005. <laughs> or Gods of Egypt. <laughs> or, right. Probably right in 2016. On. Right, exactly. What an amazing, amazing movie that just takes you into a different world. And I have watched every Jurassic Park f- movie after that. And yeah. it's because that first one was so good, I don't care about how good or, you know, how excellent these next movies are because you got me with that first one. I believe in the world. Mm-hmm. I love the concept of this island. And you have me in for all of the future movies because of that one movie, which speaks. Yeah, yeah it does. Yes. That's good. That's my number two. Very good. Well, my number two, I put Catch Me If You Can up here at number two. Ooh. Uh, because, again, it, this also takes a lot of boxes for me. Heist, it's a little heisty. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not espionage, but kind of that you know law enforcement chasing the bad guy, bad guy being super um, sneaky and all that. The, the fact that it was also based on a true story, super interesting to me. I love the music. Tom Hanks, all that. Um, so, yeah, love that movie. Speaking of super interesting and, you know, kind of what that made you think of as a true story, before I watched the post, you had texted me that you were now del- you, know, you delved into research on Watergate. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. gave me the thought that this whole movie was about Watergate. I watched oh, it with my, yeah. my family and I told them, like, yeah, it's a movie about Watergate. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's only a 30 second scene at the in, end incorrect about Watergate. incorrect i waited for it it didn't come <laughs> sorry i mean it's the very end like yeah the last you're, scene. Right. you're right i'm i understand how that kind of trampolined you into the research uh, sorry to throw you off the scent there <laughs> no that's <laughs> fine okay my number, right, one, number one my number one movie is indiana jones and the last crusade there it is this movie is yes in my opinion, the perfect movie. Mm. Like I believe, I truly believe to this point, I would give this movie five out of five, uh, Holy grail cups. I don't know. I would think so. I would think so. This movie is, has it all. It has Sean Connery being wonderful. Sean Connery. Yeah. Um, it has the, the Knights Templar guy that says that you chose <laughs> the guy's hilarious yeah yep it's got booby traps it's got regular old tomb stuff it's it's got all of it indiana jones fighting on top of a tank as it's heading for a cliff with his dad like falling off of the tank treads and yeah. putting his whip to catch him by the leg so he doesn't get smushed by the tank i rest my case <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty good that's pretty good I would also say, similarly, my number one being the original Jurassic Park is pretty close to a perfect movie. Mm. Not, again, because it was the first one, but, you know, the scene with the Velociraptor in the kitchen with the girl is amazing. (sighs) You know, the whole T-Rex with the Jeep. And, of course, like, the music is so iconic. Mm. One of, probably one of the few themes that still like stand the test of time and like 99% of people can recognize which we probably need to talk about have you ever seen the YouTube video that talks about the Marvel Cinematic Universe music no and why why it's not memorable at all no I haven't 
I'll have to send it to you because it, they talk about movie music and how like the Hans Zimmerization of film scores have now made just everything like synths, walls, and stuff like that. And uh, it just talks about like that's why no one can sing a melody from a Marvel movie because it's just all this like synth and stuff. And you look at all the John Williams films and you can remember the themes. And that's why orchestra plays medleys from those movies and not you know like well marvel i will ride with hans zimmer for the curse of the black pearl pirates of the caribbean the first one. Oh, okay i forgot yeah that that's a really good one but other than that um, yeah I, I i hear you i completely hear you like i couldn't i couldn't sing various things and there like for example there is no inception uh melody to sing other than have you have you seen the acapella version of inception no i have not i'll have I to send you that you I will because it is hilarious. I have a I have a question for you based on Jurassic Park. Where and when did you first watch Jurassic Park? Do you remember being introduced to dinosaurs? Oh my goodness. I did not see it in the theaters. I know that. So it was most likely it must have been like a VHS rental from Blockbuster at home that we saw it. And I'm sure my parents waited till I was much older. Like, I did not see it when it came out. Okay. Because the T-Rex eating the guy off the toilet would probably have traumatized me. <laughs> right. There are a lot of potentially traumatizing things. <laughs> yeah. Why? Do you have a memory of when you first saw yeah, it? I remember seeing it at a friend's house. I'm, I'm not sure if it was a sleepover, but I remember seeing it in his basement. And it had to be, it, you know, it was probably when it came out of the rentals. Maybe it was 94, 96. Five. probably so yeah. i was born in 88 so i was six seven something <laughs> like that yeah just the time where i was filled with wonder like dinosaurs are real i must have been young enough when i first saw it that i did kind of have that nighttime fear of is a raptor gonna poke its head around my bedroom door I, it and might the answer is yes <laughs> <laughs> it just might yeah i do okay yeah i do remember being a little frightened by it so maybe i must have been in the single digit age as well but wonderful like my kids my kids really want to see it and they're like we've seen lego jurassic park video games and that's not scary what's your your oldest kid's age he's nine Uh, he he might be able to handle it but i doubt it (laughs) and like surely my it sort of depends on it depends on how late you want to stay up with your son um, that is exactly and talking about raptor <laughs> the answer is not late enough <laughs> not late enough i mean i think so. you could you could do a uh i think you could do a jurassic park uh steven robles cut where you were a vid angel of, cut a vid angel <laughs> cut where it's like i take out the one of you eating the guy they see the brontosaurus and then it cuts to them flying <laughs> away on a helicopter <laughs> that's the vid angel cut <laughs> That is how Austrians say goodbye. And this is how we say goodbye in Germany, Dr. Jones.